Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick, and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle's CriticsPod. Uh, listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Uh, please go back to Apple Podcasts. I want to subscribe to the show, rate and review the show. That does help us get noticed. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can listen to us there, Critics Pod. Click on the little reminder button to be notified when a new episode drops. Uh, Patreon.com slash Critics Pod is the best way to help support the podcast. Several bonus episodes, including uh, a commentary track of Friday the 13th with Jeff and Sean, and several music reviews from me and Sean. Uh, and then T Public, if you want some of our podcast merch, head over to tpublic.com and search Critics Pod, or go to ihatecritics.net and click on the T Public link up in the right hand corner. Sean, where can people read your reviews? At themovies.blogspot.com. And Jeff, where can people get your art? Uh, JeffLasser.com. I'm pretty much Jeff Lasseter everywhere. Threads, Blue Sky, Twitter. I mean, come on, everywhere. It's social. Um, yeah. Um, and also, uh, if you go to my website, there's links to my Etsy shop. Please go buy stuff from me. Please. <laughs> Please. And we have notes in our we have links in our show notes as well. All right, let's jump in right into this week's episode with Insidious Red Door. Insidious the Red Door, uh, starring Patrick Wilson and directed by Patrick Wilson. This is picking up on the Insidious story with the returning to the Lambert family after the last two films that focused on the uh, character of Elise, played by Lynn Shea. Uh, we'll pick up the story about 10 years down the road where Patrick Wilson's character and Ty Simpkins' character are uh, together but estranged, you know, the father and son following having been hypnotized to forget about the further, which is the place where each of them could travel and, of course, had attracted demons in the past where even Patrick Wilson's character had been actually possessed by a demon and nearly killed his family in Insidious Chapter 2. Uh, this picks up 10 years down the road. They're both starting to kind of remember what happened to them and very uh, various different triggers. And as that, as that memory returns, uh, the demons also begin to return, and they both have to uh, essentially go back into the further and kind of fight to save each other. Um, Patrick Wilson is a first-time director, so I want to be as kind to him as possible, but it's truly, it's very obvious that he doesn't quite have uh, a knack for directing yet. Uh, his choices are a little bit weird. His his choices for scenes just to to linger too long. Uh, he uses a lot of the same tropes that every other horror movie director uses, which is pretty standard for somebody, again, who hasn't been behind the camera before. He's an experienced guy in front of the camera. He's been on sets for years. I'm sure he's studied this, but again, it's not something that everybody can do right away. And I'm sure maybe down the road, he might be pretty good at this. But right now, he doesn't quite have a mastery for it, especially when you're comparing him to both Lee Wanell and uh, and uh, James Wan, who did the originals of this film, and even uh, Robitel, who did the, the the fourth Insidious film, is quite a good, accomplished horror director. Uh, he just doesn't quite have that knack. So the movie was very basic to me. It was kind of a, it was very 
much every other horror film. It didn't even, it felt like an Insidious movie only because it was related to characters familiar from Insidious. But the key for me when it comes to the Insidious franchise, and I watched and wrote about every entry in the, in the Insidious franchise uh, with the two or three new reviews, actually, this just this week, uh, the key to the franchise is Lin Shay. Uh, or if, and if not Lee, Lin Shay, it's Lee Winnell. You know, those two are, are kind of hand in hand, the best parts of the Insidious franchise. Patrick Wilson is a fine actor, but I find him to be very wooden. Uh, he's good at, as being a tool of, of a director. He's great at that, actually. Uh, he was great at being a tool for Patrick, for Lee Winnell and a tool for, for James Wan. Here, having to be both the guy in front of the camera and behind it, I just don't think it works nearly as well, and thus this is pretty much the least in the Insidious franchise for me. Any is there any anything he did good that shows potential? Sure, I mean you know it, it's a it's a it's a deep it's a professional effort. He, like he's certainly not embarrassing himself. It's just very basic. It's definitely like a first time director's effort. But uh, I mean there's a there's a great deal of potential there. He he does keep he, he directs very soundly. Jeff, do you see it? I did. Um, so last Thursday I watched, well, Wednesday and Thursday, I watched all of the movies in quick succession um, <clears throat> at my desk at work. Um, and I was kind of reminded of how each one had different um levels of diminishing returns for me. Uh, I always liked how the second one kind of tie into the first one so well, you know, where they kind of retconned a few things. And um, I was kind of after a couple movies of Elise going, you know, into the further and beyond and her, her story kind of, I, I guess it kind of came to an end. It could have gone on with something differently, but you know, working with her nieces and her brother. And I liked that. I was kind of hoping she would have been in the new one a little more, mm -hmm. you know, even though she's a ghost. Uh, I, everything Sean said, it, it was competent. Yeah. It was not, it just wasn't very exciting. And I feel like if you're, if it, it was kind of, it was a movie about fathers and sons, you know, it was Josh and his relationship to his father, which I really felt kind of was, it could have gone a lot further, <laughs> further. Uh, uh, it could have, you know, there could have been more of a story of that as opposed to Dalton and his admittedly the best character in the movie, fun upstairs neighbor, home roommate. <laughs> um, she was great. Oh my gosh, she was so good. Um, but you know, to carry the father and son theme to its logical conclusion, there there should have been, you know, the scene. There should have been a scene between Josh and his father, and not just jump scares concerning his father. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really what what bugged me about it was how do you how do you make Josh relate to Dalton who is kind of estranged from him? And, you know, he thinks he's, Oh my God, he's my dad. He's such a dork, uh, you know, and typical like 19 year old stuff. Mm. I just, I, 
I wanted there to be a little more to kind of beef it up. Um, whether that would be, I, I, what, thinking about it now, I really would have liked to have seen Elise come to Josh in the further and say, you know, your father had the same relationship with his father and it, you know, it goes generational and there is this kind of not necessarily a mental illness, but a, like a spirit magnetism that runs in your family. And that's why you have such a hard time with Dalton Mm -hmm. and, you know, like kind of, I guess, psychoanalyze him in the further I think that would have that would have really made it a lot stronger. It was fine. It was, but I I wasn't I wasn't you know like oh they they I will say this they did they were able to tie in some of the stuff from Insidious Two and kind of seamlessly integrate the grown up cast you know mm-hmm. into it um, like they did with Two to One, um, but I. I didn't really feel any connection. It could have used a lot more Roseburn. Um, Roseburn was the heart of the first one. And, you know, she was the kind of, um, she was kind of the, the mod, uh, modulating force in two. And I felt like that she was really missed in this one. Mm, yeah. I didn't see that. So, you know, it else was missed with Barbara Hershey too. Her character gets killed. Yeah. In the, you know, she's dead when the movie starts, and uh, you know she was so it, she was pivotal to Insidious Chapter Two as well, which I think is the best of the Insidious franchise. Chapter Two, the way it builds on the foundation. You mentioned the father and son stuff, though that really didn't register. Or it didn't resonate with me because this is such a this franchise is built on that family history, and for that to just arrive here suddenly in this movie, uh, it, it felt like a it felt like a cheat to me. Like we've never mentioned the dad before in any previous entries, and now it's here, and uh, that didn't feel right to me. Uh, especially, like I said, it's a it's a franchise that's built on it, and I know it was a it, it's certainly a question that I'm sure may have, may have been had, but it wasn't brought up before. And when you're going to build your franchise on history like that, it feels like just kind of a random cheat to try and make that important now. Yeah. Well, and. If you're going to have this story about his dad, why would you kill the mom off screen before, you know, and unless she didn't want to come back. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, recast her. I mean, I love Barbara Hershey, but, you know, come on. It, it, that's that to me would be really, really important. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It was an important secret that she kept, <laughs> which doesn't yeah. again, also doesn't feel right. It feels like. That's something she would have addressed in chapter two, considering how concerned she was for her son. Yeah. It's like they, they retconned two into one so well mm-hmm. with, you know, Josh being with all the little things that happened in one, like the alarm and stuff is caused by Josh. Why doesn't, you know, why would, why wouldn't that have been there? Yeah. It, it it all feels very when you, when you look at it from this perspective and you start pulling those threads, it feels kind of mercenary. Like, well, we need to make another insidious because there's still money to be made here, and that just yeah. I know that's just, I know that's kind of a silly notion considering the way Hollywood works, but still, <laughs> it, I I do feel like the first, actually, all four of the previous insidious movies were actually really good. So you know, <laughs> I, 
I, I, I wanted another good one. I wanted another one where they took a good deal of care uh, to make it. Uh, like I said, I think chapter two is great. I thought chapter three was great. Uh, I liked the last key. Uh, then I liked Insidious one, and then this one is my least favorite. So like Insidious one actually is like my fourth overall. I think Loki like chapter three gets desperately underrated. Yeah, I did not like chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when I look at the, if you look at like the last, I don't know, I, like I think the Conjuring's a step above these, and I think these are kind of lesser than they're okay, uh, but I don't think they're, I don't know, uh, they are making money though. I mean, how did this one do? Number one at the box oh. office and beat uh, beat Indiana Jones in week two, which is not great for Indiana Jones. You know what? Indiana Jones is already all over the internet. So yeah, no, Indiana Jones is doing well actually too. You know, but I mean, it's it's like one of my friends has a file. Like, do you want to watch Indiana Jones? I'm like, I've already seen it twice. Oh, I've got a copy if you want. And I'm like, "Um, already, (laughs) you know, like yeah, I cool. Yeah, ruin the theatrical. Way to go. Way to go. Cool. Let's just destroy the theaters. Great. Yeah. Well, in general, isn't that kind of like with Indiana Jones not doing well and the flash not doing well, little mermaid, how did that do? Were they expecting more from that? I don't know. It just seems like all I hear is bad news in the theaters lately. Well, insidious is very good news. They made, they made a good deal of money with that one. So and, if anything is going to save theaters, it's going to be horror films. I mean, it just, it's historically when there's a slump, you bring out a couple of good horror movies and, Right. You know, it kind of gooses it a little bit. But also Mission Impossible is going to do really well this weekend as well. Yeah. How did... And actually, the, the biggest thing right now is the Barbie-Oppenheimer matchup. Everybody... <laughs> Bar- Barbenheimer? Yeah, everybody seemingly is planning now to do a double feature of Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching TikTok, it's all over the place, which is kind of great. And it is. It does make for a fascinating uh, double feature for sure. Are you gonna watch them back to back? Absolutely. Actually, no. I'm probably gonna have to. I got a critic screening of Barbie uh, coming up, and I may have to do that and then see Oppenheimer later. Later, so. Lamer. Well, I'm seeing Barbie on that Thursday, and I'm gonna try to see Oppenheimer the earliest possible showing on Saturday or Sunday because. <laughs> I, you know, I have other stuff to do. Um, <laughs> Did you lose your thought? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was done. Oh. I was done. I was just like, I got to say that. I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm glad you like the Conjuring movies, but I think Insidious is way better. I do. <laughs> well, I understand that, but I think the majority Still. would disagree. But yeah, most of the time that happens to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> Insidious for me is well above the Conjuring movies just because you know they, I think they they're they're more rooted in something I can follow than upside down crosses. <laughs> well, for and the and the awful Warrens, of course. Well, yeah. Well, I was yeah. I there so I like the Conjuring universe overall. I think you know if you treat the Warrens as the fictional characters that they are. Um, <laughs> 
they get much better. I'm not a fan necessarily of possession movies right? because of the fact that I'm an atheist and it's not scary to me at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, That first conjuring up until the time it was her being possessed by a demon and the whole religious overtones was so fucking scary to me. Like the hand claps and, you know, but then with the insidious movies, that that little boy, I I'm just getting chills now thinking of her walking past him, facing the wall. She doesn't see him, and then she's outside and she sees him dancing, and it's like that's fucking scary. Even right. to me, who's seen every fucking horror movie that ever lived. Right. Well, but I, I love I love tiptoe through the tulips. I think that yes. is a tremendous horror movie song. I love that that's come back a couple times. Uh, but I love the makeup design too on the demons. I think those are fantastic. Like the the, that red faced demon is awesome. That is, that's a great visual. Uh, the uh, the 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 black bride is a great uh, character with a bizarre, terrifying backstory. Like uh, I just think that they've come up with so many clever things. The the villain in chapter three, I think, is incredibly well designed. The horrors of aging, that awful breathing mask on it, and then that ter- that great scene of him of the villain, the this demon character cradling the teenage girl. That was fantastic. That was yeah. fantastic. I love that. And I, I guess for me, I, like, or go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just, I think they both benefit from people who are steeped in horror movies and the imagery that they create, because there are things in, in both franchises that image wise are much more frightening than story wise. Mm-hmm. So, right. And sorry, I, Bob. I didn't. No, no. I, I think with like the Conjuring, it, was, it almost felt like a bigger movie, and it seemed like Insidious was like kind of came out of nowhere. Like, oh, this is way better than it deserves to be, you know, kind of a thing. And it kind of picked up a different, uh, or probably the same audience. But I mean, the fact that they have, both of them turned into franchises is pretty, I guess, not remarkable because everything's a franchise that's successful nowadays. I mean, one and one L are they're, they're the best of what they do. I mean, you know, they, they, we're talking about Saw, The Conjuring, and Insidious. Those guys did all that shit. That's amazing. Yeah, I've been since I took last week off. My wife's been out of town, and uh, my daughter was just me and her, and my son was with my wife, and she wanted to she wanted to get into horror movies, so we started with Hereditary, which was wow. I mean, it's so much better than I even remember it being. I loved it. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I've only seen it. I, I saw it right away when it came out after the theater. And then I haven't mm-hmm. watched it. I haven't gone back. And it's just so much better than I even thought. And then we watched The Shining. And then, of course, our classic, which she didn't make it through the classic. We'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are, you know, when you're doing introductions, maybe you don't start yeah. with the tourist trap. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, let's move on to Joyride. Joyride is a uh, terrific comedy from director Adele Lim, wrote, written and directed by her with the uh, four uh, terrific actresses and easily the biggest laugh I've had all year at any movie. There is a tattoo in this movie, Bob, that is easily <laughs> the single funniest tattoo in movie history. <laughs> I have, I, it, it is like the jump scare of laughs. <laughs> like, the, the reveal of it is so sudden and so unexpected. 
and you've been told what's coming. You've been told it's a bad tattoo, but you have no, you are not ready for this. <laughs> you are not ready for just how amazing it is and how we get to it. Um, that's, I've never laughed that hard in a movie ever. Uh, I mean, I, I think this movie is good. I don't think it's a great comedy, but that moment is absolutely top tier laugh. Uh, they're just really terrific characters. This is a very, a very funny movie. It's a road trip comedy Four friends going to China or three of them going to China. One of them's already there. Uh, they're going, they're going there because one of them, uh, has a business meeting. She doesn't speak Chinese. So she brings along her friend who does, uh, and <laughs> the friend is a very acerbic and not the most trustworthy person. Certainly not the person you want in this situation, but she's loyal and friendly and she's going to help as best she can. Uh, they've got another friend who's waiting for them there who has the suspect tattoo, Stephanie Sue from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, and uh, they're bringing along another one, this woman named Dead Eye, this person named Dead Eye, who's uh, the cousin of the interpreter friend. Uh, she, she's hilarious. She's kind of the breakout sort of Zach Galifianakis in the Hangover character. Very, very weird. You can just tell that they've got their own movie going on in their head, <laughs> but that you kind of want to see just as much. Which is, I love that character in movies like this. Incredibly raunchy. One of the characters in this movie gets DP. <laughs> of that happening in this movie, and I could not believe it. It's like, but it's great because, like, the movie is very cool about it. It doesn't make a big deal about it. It just, like, this is happening, and it's kind of funny, and especially the outcome of it is very, very funny. <laughs> but I love how sexually free this movie is. And it's, really putting a lot of people off, which makes me love it that that much more. Uh, mm -hmm. The fact that there are people probably walking out of this movie. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So you thought, uh, Jeff? Not this movie making me laugh my ass off and then almost crying right? in the theater within like 10 minutes of it. You know, it was so... I It, it totally was pitch perfect um not the movie pitch perfect the actual that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean just just the comedic timing of everybody stephanie uh, you know um uh she, she just she's so good in everything she does and i i just was like <laughs> the whole time i'm like wait what is this tattoo gonna be what is this you know and then when they show what it is I was, I, I saw the people in front of me just kind of, they just, like Sean said, it was kind of a jump scare. They just kind of went back in their seats. And this other lady cackled. Oh my gosh. She goes, ah! <laughs> so loud. I thought that I couldn't hear, you know, like what they were saying. Um, I, everybody in the cast was just so perfectly done. Uh, I, you know, funny and poignant and, you know, when they, when she, towards the end, when the main character is like going to find her birth mother and what happens happens. And it's just, you, you kind of feel her, everything crashing around her all at once. And, you know, in any of these comedies, you have to have the, you know, the, the moment where everybody gets mad at each other and everybody hates each other. And then, you know, they're just like, how do you get back to, you know, how do you get back to where you should be? Mm -hmm. 
And I think the way they handled it was really, really well done. Um, the supporting cast is great. I really, really thought, based on the fact that it was an all-female cast, a female director and writer, I really thought she was going to objectify the um, the supporting men players a little more, and I was a little disappointed that we didn't get any, <laughs> you know, objectification. Um, <laughs> the 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 friendship between Ashley Park and Sherry Cola, mm-hmm. um, Audrey and Lolo, yeah, was so funny from the minute they met. You know, and like, are you sure daughter Chinese? Yes, she is. Okay, well, we just was hope we were hoping they would have a play date, and then they don't even think that sh- maybe she's not chi- actually Chinese. They just say <laughs> she's Chinese because yeah. they got her from a Chinese orphanage, and then you know, like you. <laughs> She's so proud of her her Chinese heritage, and you know can't wait to meet her Chinese mom. And then you find out she's not even Chinese. I <laughs> <laughs> that was where I lost it because you know I, I've had a couple of my Asian friends who thought they were you know one nationality and they were actually another, and it's like oh my god, they didn't just go there, but they did. <laughs> um, another thing is anytime you put Timothy Simons in a movie or a show. I'm guaranteed to have a good time. I'm an ally. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I I've been a fan of his since I saw him on Veep, and then you know, like every time he's in there and he kind of plays that kind of officious character that doesn't necessarily try to be, but just always comes off that way. Mm-hmm. And he, you're fired, not because you're Asian. I'm an ally. <laughs> this movie sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, so good. Highly recommend. I think there's some, I think there's some elements that are, that don't work, but the elements that do work, work so well that I don't care about that. Uh, Is it my favorite movie? No, but it has that laugh. It has that laugh and it does have that emotional resonance with those characters that you, that you really, really like. These are very good characters. And and like I said, the sexual freedom of it and the way that they treat that scene, instead of making it about being a whore, you were, uh, movies always have to punish women for wanting to have wild sex. This movie doesn't do that. It, it lets her have yeah. that and enjoy that and then piles a joke on top of it that is really good. Well, the whole dynamic between uh, Stephanie Hsu and the rest of the girls is like, I used to be a whore, but I'm not anymore. And all she can think about is dick. And it's so funny. <laughs> the scene where she's exercising... To because, yeah. What did, what did she eat? What did she eat? I forget. But she, uh, um, yeah. Um, she ate something and it made her horny. And they're on a bus with a bunch of like mostly Asian basketball players. And she sees somebody she hooked up with in college and <laughs> just really, 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 really wants him. And so they're both in the gym and she's exercising her ass off. And oh my god, Bob! It was so funny. Yeah, very, very funny. Baron Davis, uh, that random NBA player, Baron Davis, is in the movie. Yeah, because Lolo is beating him there in China, where he's playing basketball now, and it's weird because he actually does that. He plays basketball in China, so it was a, it was a great joke. And how they interact is very funny as well. He gets a couple of funny lines. Uh, yeah, so many good ideas in this movie. Cool. And and they're all. Uh, Go sad. ahead. Sadly, this bombed really badly. 
Uh, nobody went to see it except for me and Jeff, apparently. <laughs> I mean, it's five point eight million a bomb for a movie with no real stars in it. I mean, you you kind of hope for at least twice that if you're gonna make yeah. if you're gonna make some profit and have some legs with it. It does sound though like it has. Like you guys are already quoting it, and it sounds like the rewatchability factor is gonna be high with it. Uh, Absolutely, I gotta imagine it's gonna find a second life on streaming. I, I oh, don't, I don't know what kind yeah. of money they make streaming, but probably not the same as on video. But God willing, you know this movie deserves such a it deserves an audience, and uh, you know it's funny. There's this there's this guy, uh, there's this film critic lights camera jackson he's this guy who got into being a film critic as a teenager and he's been kind of a i don't want to call him a punchline because he is a colleague of mine in the critics choice awards but he put out a tweet uh last week that was upset that this movie was i i guess too mean to white people (laughs) and it was really cringe and everybody's been owning him over that and it's sad to see this movie fail because that would have been a fun meme to continue uh (laughs) yeah mean to white people good good take good take and it it's not <laughs> really no it's not really at all the only no. the literally the others so so <laughs> i mean i just ashley park's parents are david denman and annie mamulo from the office and bridesmaids and she you, she, you know they have this little like and it's very realistic. It's very like what I've seen. It comes across as they're, you know, they have their own little private jokes, you know, like all, my family does, your family does. And they're laughing about it. And literally the only time it's really called out is Sherry Cola turns to her parents and says, white people. That's the only <laughs> time in the movie that it's even like spoken of, really. Mm-hmm. It's not mean to white people at all. Yeah, no. They're treated as a normal family and, you know, that they all love each other. Like the families like each other and they're all friends. And it's, it, he it, just saw Asian women and go, oh. mm-hmm. it's very funny though. Like the parents are, are a little bit oblivious in that way that, that yeah. some, you know, ally parents can be a little bit <laughs> oblivious. Well, well-meaning white liberal parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's very funny. It's very funny and well done. Yeah, I'll, I can't wait till it's streaming so I can rent it. Uh, anything else on Joyride other than go see it? No, just go see it. I mean, try and rescue it from the from the depths of its uh, you know box office. Yeah, see it early when it is on demand. Don't wait for it to be on Netflix or whatever. Rent it and pay for it. Yeah, in some fashion. All right, our classic this week is Tourist Trap. Jeff, why don't you take us through Tourist Trap? Oh God, where do I begin with this movie? This movie is fucking wacky. Uh, first, I got to preface this by when I was a kid, and I would get to, my parents let me rent R-rated horror movies from the time I was like ten because I'd seen them in the theater. I saw Amityville Horror in the theater, and I was like nine years old with my parents. Um, so I thought a PG rated horror movie sounded like a terrible idea and I was never going to see it. I'm like, eh, I like the cover, but it's PG. I don't have, I, I don't have to stick to PG movies. 
And a few years ago, I was working at Best Buy in Chicago and I was using my discount. I'd started another job and I was using up my discount. And I'm like, you know what? It's only 12 bucks. I'm going to buy Tourist Trap. How bad could it be? Oh my God. I fell in love with this movie. It's the story of a group of friends who are traveling in, in Southern California and they, the one group is ahead of them and has a breakdown. So at the very beginning of the movie, the, the male of the two walks to what he assumes is just a regular gas station and ends up trapped in a room with mannequin heads and creepy masks and things flying all over at him. Um, and he doesn't know what to make of it. You don't know what to make of it. He is trapped in the room and can't get out and eventually is murdered and cut to the rest of the group catching up with the girlfriend who is sunbathing, waiting for her boyfriend to get uh, tire, get the tire filled. And well, they all decide to go look for him and they end up at Slauson's Lost Oasis, which is a wax museum run by the widowed Chuck Connors and they all go skinny dipping and he comes across and is kind of leering at them and a little creepy, but you just think he's, you know, just a creepy old older guy who sees a bunch of naked teenage girls. And well, let me tell you, he, uh, <laughs> he's a lot more than that. Um, they are stuck there at night and they come across some of the wax dummies and things and the mannequins and they're all a little freaked out. And then one of them, they they start to go off in different directions like you do in 1979 horror movies. And he's already captured somebody who's in his basement. And Tanya Roberts from Charlie's Angels, who recently died, rest in peace. It, she gets tied up down there along with her boyfriend. And this person in a fucked up mask comes down and talks like this to the girl that he has tied up and he ends up he's going to make a cast of her and it, it, in the ridiculous you won't suffocate but your heart will explode out of fear uh, and they watch this happen and they're like oh my god how do we get out so they eventually break free. There's a big chase scene. There's the other girl who's wandered off by herself who figures out what's actually going on, that he is um, maybe the same person, maybe a different person. Um, and then uh, we – I don't want to spoil it because I want everybody to see this god-awful, stupid, wonderful movie that I love so much. Um <laughs> But the ending is just like nothing you've ever seen, honestly. I'm even wearing my tourist trap shirt that I designed that you can get on my Tee Public um, right now as we speak. So I want you guys to talk about it. Bob, what'd you think? I uh, wacky was a great way to describe it. Uh, <laughs> it. It's just a movie that you just wonder how when they're coming up with this idea, like what the hell they were, like where do they come up with it? You know, it's so out there and just different than anything else. 
uh, the whole time I kept thinking, I'm glad Jeff's on the podcast because we probably wouldn't be watching movies like this if it wasn't. <laughs> You're welcome, I think. Well, no, I mean, I, it's like I like horror movies, yeah. but I don't like, like, it's not that I don't like them. I have never really gone back and watched the lower budget weird stuff, you know, stuff like this. And uh, it's just fun to start, you know, crossing some of these off the list. I've never even heard of this movie. Uh, yeah. But it was just so much. Just weird and random, and that mass killer was such a what should be like an iconic looking villain, you know, right? It's- well, I will say this in certain circles, like my friend Merle and I love that. Uh, I went to a midnight screening of this movie at the Music Box in Chicago a few years ago, and there were people cosplaying awesome. as Mr. Slauson. And wow. I, I, I mean, I've, I sell prints and stickers and masks of, you know, tourist trap and people are always like, I, I was wearing my, the tourist trap shirt that I'm wearing tonight on the show. And somebody walks up to me and in the voice goes, you're so pretty. Why don't you like me? And I was like, I think I love you. Um, <laughs> But am I right? You think it's going to be just a regular slasher movie. It just comes off as a regular 80s slasher movie. And then there's telekinetic weird stuff. Right, because like you were saying, right out of the gate, the car breaks down, they just had to go skinny dipping. That's definitely a a, a cheesy horror movie thing that the people do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're right, it just kind of evolves into this or devolves, however you want to phrase it into just kind of this wacky little neat yet watchable movie that ends i love how it ends and uh because movies like this don't go there you know and this does have a cool ending and uh like you said people should see it uh but it's just not your standard you know final girl gets away kind of thing it's way better than that it takes big big swings at the end yes and i and i absolutely love that sean i like i like the elements of it like i like the fact that the uh, guy who did the work on texas chainsaw massacre did the work on the mannequins and models for mm-hmm. this movie that, that's awesome uh i love i love that uh, connor's his his idea for being in this movie was that he wanted to be the boris karloff of the 80s which i wish that would have happened <laughs> he definitely <laughs> yes served that kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm sad that never happened for him. Um, I, I like the, 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 the masks I thought were cool. Um, I'm not sure if I watched this in like in the best possible way. I'm probably need to look at it again. Cause I was just not in the mood to, to watch anything. I, I was kind of watching it just for the show and I probably need to watch it again in a better mood. Oh yeah. I mean, if we watched it all together or you went to like yeah. the music box theater and watched <laughs> with the crowd, it have a definitely a different feel. Uh, I, I could see liking it more, watching it with friends or an audience or something like that. Definitely. It needs that. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I'm going to call out, the, the, the score is by Pino Donaggio, who did like a bunch of Brian De Palma stuff like Carrie and things like that. It is... It's so tonally perfect for this kind of movie that do 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 listen to that on spotify that i when i'm writing that's what i listen to sometimes because it's just so 
it's so out there <laughs> and it fits this, you know, it fits the, the movie completely, totally perfectly. And like the, uh, in terms of the production too, I like the, uh, the use of the way they did ESP. I love, first of all, I love any time that I can see the strings. That's fun for me, but also yeah. the opening scene, they did that by tilting the, the building on its side. So he's laying yep. down with his arm out and the whole thing is, those things are falling on him as he's doing that, which is uh, a great, a great way to pull that off. Mm-hmm. The, I love how the costuming too, just tells you who everybody is like Molly, Jocelyn Jones's character, the, you know, the quote unquote final girl. She starts off in that weird, like Nellie Olson looking hat. <laughs> with pigtails and you know and then tanya roberts becky is just like i'm gonna wear a tube top and you know you're gonna see that i'm the sex pot one and uh yeah it just it's it's just perfect for what it is so but it's wacky enough to stand out as its own thing you know which makes sense why people would recognize your shirt so you'd they'd have midnight screenings of it so you know what I, without having seen it, what I would have wrapped it in, you know, compared it to, uh, our movies that don't get midnight screenings are just throwaway horror movies. This is yeah. definitely a weird, wacky, fun, little. I, I don't know. It's, I'm really cool. That, or I'm really excited that it has its own audience that still watches mm-hmm. it regularly because that makes it that much better for me. So, one of the things about this and the last few years is when you know how when you hear something and it's just like you hear it enough times it's starting to like cr- get critical mass that's how black christmas was 20 years ago right and it, in the last couple of years everybody you know my friend merle like i said she owns a, a pin company called pin exploitation and that's one of her best most popular designs is you know the cover of the movie and we just love you know, she's bought my shirt. I bought her pins, and we just love it. And it, there's definitely that cult audience for it. And I would love to see it get a. It, can, it there was a Blu-ray that came out in 2020 during the pandemic that sold out. And I just I want people to appreciate it the way I do. I guess. And it's it's streaming for free on Peacock. It's on Tubi. It's all over the place. So if you're if you're like uh, I you know I don't want to rent it, you don't have to rent it. You just go watch it. <laughs> it's I definitely, definitely worth it. I definitely want more movies, you know, like this. I prefer this to th- anything like Boogeyman or even Insidious, The Red Door. Like right. the most of the, you know, the sameness of so many of the modern horror movies. That those programmers that get tossed out there for a week and uh, probably do better than they deserve and. Uh, give me this. Give me Sleepaway Camp. You know those kind of movies. I'll take those any day over over that crap for sure. Absolutely. That's I, another one we should do someday. I, I Sleepaway Camp. Camp. <laughs> I've got the I've got the special edition DVD of that one. It it cracked me up every time. Do you know how I got the special edition DVD of that for mm. Blu-ray? Mm. I went to a Fangoria screening when I lived in New York City. They were. They were doing it and they were filming it because one of the Jersey Shore brothers was in it. And so they were filming the, you know, the reception or whatever. And 
I asked, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I asked one of the actors, the one who was wearing the tiny red shorts, why he didn't show up in the, they were, it was question and answer. If you had a good enough question, you would get a Blu-ray. And uh, my question was, Hey, why aren't you wearing, you know, do you still have the shorts and are you, are you wearing them under your pants tonight? <laughs> and everybody laughed or whatever. And Tony Timpone, who used to be the uh, edit, editor of Fangoria, personally gave me my copy. So. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we should definitely do that movie. Yeah. We just have to pick the week. We have nothing going on. All right, let's well, sleep. And, sleep the yeah. week, guys. <laughs> have you have you guys seen all of them? I have. I haven't seen okay. any of them. I haven't even seen the first well, one. I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen. You it. come you over this weekend, it. Bob. Do your homework. <laughs> I've got the first three on Blu-ray. You can come over and watch them. All right, I will see if <laughs> what I have going on this weekend. <laughs> Sounds like my dad. Hey, dad, can we do this? We'll see. Every <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> no, I mean, I legit don't know. My wife <laughs> hasn't been yeah. home in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> she came home for one day and then went on the road for work again. And so I don't know what we have planned or what. I don't know. I just do what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> Bob is like, everybody loves Raymond. I know. <laughs> it's pretty sad. <laughs> it's nowhere near as funny as it is on TV. Without the studio audience, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. In 1993, we had The Firm, Son-in-Law, In the Line of Fire, Rookie of the Year, and Weekend at Bernie's 2 all came out in the last two weekends. I love Rookie of the Year so much. Still to this day. Did you see uh, uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas throw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field? That was great. He, he was awesome. He wore the Rowan Gartner uh, jersey. <laughs> it's great. Has he only uh, done it one time? <laughs> My guess is they bring him out every year and do it at some point. <laughs> they should. They should. They should bring out Gary Busey more often, is what they need to do. But <laughs> <laughs> His pitches go everywhere. They're like always wild. <laughs> Gary, um, home plate's over here, and he's throwing it out at the outfield. So much great Busey in '93, like that, and his role in the firm. Like it's fantastic. It's a it's a Busey renaissance in '93. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to watch Rookie of the Year for the '93 podcast because Amy and MJ preferred to watch Son in Law for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. The it's so. <laughs> I made a joke, and I apologize for that joke. Uh, about about what you know, we were we were making a joke about Spielberg while we're watching Jurassic Park, and I said something about Pauly Shore being on Schindler's List and how wrong that would be. And ever since then, now we're just kind of obsessed with making jokes about that joke. And so, why not watch Son in Law? Yeah, so we paid for that. <laughs> it's like the car <laughs> coming back around. <laughs> Poor MJ who lived in a world where Pauly Shore didn't exist. MJ, you know, being being a, a Gen Zer, they they had no idea who Pauly Shore was. They didn't know that son in law existed, and we ruined that. We ruined them. We've destroyed we've destroyed who they are. They now know who Pauly Shore is and and, and why. Watch every Pauly Shore movie from here on out because you made a joke. 
<laughs> it's now podcast lore, so we're screwed. Uh, <laughs> no, they, they laugh. They laugh twice as hard at the Schindler's List joke now, though. Now that they know who he is, <laughs> to come Schindler's back. List jokes will never not be funny, right? You know, <laughs> God, that's a good podcast uh, title too. The Schindler li- Schindler's List joke. <laughs> so yeah, we watched. We'd actually, the next episode, uh, hopefully be up this week, will be both Son-in-Law, which we were fucking miserable watching, and The Firm, which, like, this is this is fun for me, because Amy is constantly going on about how she hates Tom Cruise, and then she watched Same. The Firm and enjoyed it, so yep. <laughs> she, she had to own that. Uh, the Firm... Hate that. Hate him. Love that movie. It's a good movie, right? But here's yes. the, thing, the Firm. It has zero, zero reputation. For, for what for being as good as it is, it it left it stayed in 1993 so hard. <laughs> like you, nobody <laughs> talks about the firm, and it's because it is as good as it is, as enjoyable as it is. MJ was talking about how less than a week later they'd completely forgotten about it, as much as they did enjoy it. Uh, and you'll hear it on the podcast; they did enjoy the movie. Couldn't recall much of it a week later because it's that kind of movie. The firm is the kind of thriller that you forget by the time you get to your car. It was entertaining while you watch it. It's really well made. It's got a really good thriller plot. Not memorable. And when you're talking about, like, this was the third highest grossing movie of 1993. It made more money than than A Few Good Men, which is, you know, Tom Cruise. Uh, it made more money than Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, but those movies are still talked about today. Nothing about the firm is remembered about 30 years later. Well, it launched John Grisham, too. I mean, he became a household yeah. name after this movie as well. You know, he was a rock star for a, for a long time. Like, he was, like, he got mentioned, you know, he, he was like the Stephanie Meyer of his day. Like, you know, he was like the she, shall, she who shall not be named of his day. You know, it's like, that's the... <laughs> people anticipated his books like that, you know? Uh, and well, I mean, he today, still is. Yeah, he, he still, still gets that. He still... So he still makes Beck Seller, but he's not a rock star that everybody talks about. He, you know, your, yeah. your dad talks about him, maybe, but like, you know, nobody, people's dads talk about him, but he's not the rock star that he was in 1993. And he doesn't have the cultural cachet that he did back then. Even well, I read, well, and I don't read books. <laughs> his longevity was a lot more than I don't read Myers, books though. that aren't about me, I point out. <laughs> What'd you say, Sean? I don't read books that aren't about movies, so that's big for me. Yeah, yeah all I remember yeah, his, about the his, movie. Or go ahead. No, I was gonna say, well, you said his longevity is like thirty-five years, you know, that he's been writing and successful, so Yeah, I mean, it would have taken a lot to fuck this up. Right. All I remember about it is Tom Cruise running in a, in a suit or <laughs> <laughs> the first of the Tom Cruise meme. Yeah. He does that a lot, but he doesn't do the karate chop. He does. One, so, <laughs> I mean, you've got Sidney Pollack mm-hmm. directing Tom Cruise and Holly Hunter and Ed Harris and Gene Triplehorn, Hal Holbrook, Holbrook Gene Hackman. I mean, there are, it's, two, there are two Oscar winners and seven Oscar nominees in this movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so it's, it's te- everything about it is tense. The music, the you know, the underlying feeling of something's going on, even at the very beginning of the movie. Um, it's just it's it's one of the better done thrillers, and I think 
despite having Tom Cruise in it. That's why I watched it the other, the other night, not even thinking that it was 30 this week, but just seeing, you know, oh, The Firm is available. Let me watch that. I was actually going to watch The Pelican Brief because it's about Supreme Court justices being knocked off. Um, <laughs> Weird how resonant that yeah. might be. <laughs> you know, right, right after uh, they decided to strip me of rights. Um, but I was like, I was going through movies. I'm like, Oh, I watched the firm in a long time. So I watched that instead. And I was just like, I think the Pelican brief is where he kind they kind of hit the stride. Uh, it was, it's the best of the, just the John Grisham movies until you get to Christmas with the cranks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I unapologetically love Me too. again, a movie no. A movie that has somebody in it that I absolutely fucking hate, Tim Allen, but I love that movie. Same with The Firm. It's Tom Cruise, but so I uh, you know, it's it's I think the Pelican Brief was kind of he hit the they hit the stride in the movies and then A Time to Kill is really good. Um Client's you know, okay. it just it The Client's okay. Um I don't remember The Runaway Jury or The Rainmaker. Or I the love Chamber. The the Rainmaker, Francis Ford Coppola, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon uh, oh, okay, Dane. that's right. Yeah, that was really good. But at that you know, point, I've it read, wasn't as popular. It, like, yeah. The rememberability of it started to fall off. Yeah. I think the... I mean, A Time to Kill made Matthew McConaughey. Yep. Uh, in my opinion. And Julia Roberts, it, the Pelican Reef was written with her in mind. And to have her and Denzel Washington up against each other, it was just, they were both like peak Denzel and peak Julia in peak John Grisham, I think was really, and uh, um, Stanley Tucci Mm -hmm. being completely hot in that movie. Um, (laughs) Because that's what's really important. Uh, But I think that's why The Fur maybe gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. in the pantheon of John Grisham movies because of, you know, how good the Pelican Brief is. You know what else I love about The Firm is that the two, like, most cuddliest grandpas in the world are the biggest villains in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Albrook and, and Wilford Brimley are your villains. And, like, watching watching Wilford Brimley try and be intimidating is very funny to me. Because <laughs> I just see him as, but he, but it as works. the Quaker Oats guy. It does. It does work. It does pull you out of that bias you have towards him. <laughs> but yeah, of course, we made diabetes jokes on the. Uh, <laughs> oh, of course. And walrus jokes. I don't know. Yeah, it just happens. But yeah, we were talking about. There's also like the Wilfred Brimley meme where it's like he's always been 80 years old from the day he was born uh-huh. <laughs> to the day he died. I am older now than he was making cocoon. Which makes no sense, does it? It makes no sense, right? And, he, and you know, and uh, the thing—he looks like he's sixty in the thing, and he was forty. <laughs> well, I just saw. I mean, it's not Wilfred Brimley, but like Danny Glover was forty-one when *Lethal Weapon* came out, and he was too old <laughs> uh-huh. for the shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's great. There's a there's a no, moment. It's there's... not. It's not great at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. Uh, there's a scene in the firm where like these two lawyers have been have died on a tragically in a you know scuba diving accident quote unquote accident and uh, 
they go to a shot of the one of the guys who died and they say that he's 41 years old. <laughs> he's got like just thinning hair gray. Just looks like he's got to be about 65. And they said this guy was 41. Fuck you. He was. <laughs> but 30 years ago, apparently they were just so much older. I put it down to just so many smoke filled bars. It had to be yeah. like, the, 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 the change of, of taking smoking out of bars has just youthified our entire generation. <laughs> well, and the fact that, okay, maybe because of the fact that he was, you know, in such a high powered job, it just aged it. Maybe Tom Cruise in a few years would look like him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> How old is Tom Cruise? Like 74? He's uh, 62? Just 60? I'm not sure. I'm honestly unsure. I don't know. I can, I mean, I I really can check care. that out for you. I don't actually care. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we got Mission Impossible, one of them. Our classic is Sleepaway Camp. And in 1993, Benefit of the Doubt, Free Willy, and Hocus Pocus came out. Yeah, we'll be watching, uh, unfortunately, we'll be watching uh, Free Willy, I guess, because I, I refuse to watch Hocus Pocus again. <laughs> Just don't watch it. <laughs> do the, or do you guys all watch them together? Yeah, we all watch them together. Ah, that sucks. Yeah, have fun with Free Willy. I, I've not, I don't think I've ever seen Free Willy. I shouldn't be that mean. I might have seen it when it came out, but I, I was too old for Free Willy, so I don't really know. Uh, but yeah. I'm not watching Hocus Pocus again. All right. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, Spirit Halloween's about to open back up, so I'm going to have my fill of Hocus Pocus next month. <laughs> Do you guys want to play Flick Shirt for a little bit? Sure. Yeah, let's run Tourist Trap through it. <laughs> I'm not sure how long it would last. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. It might be get a little mean for you do you want to run it through it or not <laughs> not th- no I'm not, i was being i was being a jerk I, I don't care i like i i don't know how well it'll do like as i'm i i like it it'll be like it'll be like midsummer and hereditary and Bo is afraid and tourist trap uh they remade this did they or I don't. I think it was name. just a, a name only. Gotcha. Mm. Horror puppet, <laughs> also known as Tour <laughs> Trap, or Airplane Two, the sequel. Airplane Two. Horror puppet. Recent bias puppet. will have me take Tourist Trap. Uh-huh. Tourist Trap or Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Tourist Trap. Yeah. Agreed. Tourist Trap or Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Tourist Trap. Tourist trap. Taking it over Kevin Costner's butt. I might take Kevin Costner's The butt. lasting image of that movie. Tourist trap, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. I know it's a better movie, but... Tourist trap, Misery. Misery. Yeah, Misery. Tourist trap, The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Tourist trap. Tourist trap, I guess. I don't, know. I don't really. Care. I'll never watch. I'll never watch Little Mermaid again. Uh, I yeah, it's hard. I probably would have gone Little Mermaid, but I'm 
Glad you guys vote one. Tourist Trap, Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Tourist Trap. Right. Just to, I know because I yeah. know I, I I just wanted to get a vote. Raising Arizona. <laughs> Tourist Trap, Jarhead. Jarhead. <sighs> Jarhead. Jake Gyllenhaal's butt. <laughs> still probably watch Tourist Trap before Jarhead, but you're right. <laughs> Definitely. Tourist Trap, the Maltese Falcon. Maltese Falcon. Yeah. yeah, it's a better movie, but I'd watch Tourist Trap again. That's true. Tourist Trap, Adventures in Babysitting. Mm, I don't care. <laughs> are we watching? Are we watching the Blu-ray yes. or the Disney Plus <laughs> the of Adventures in Babysitting? <laughs> uh, it's still Tourist Trap. I'd probably go Adventures in Babysitting, but that's just kind of right where my age range is. <laughs> what do you think? I, I love Adventures in Babysitting. I just uh, Adventures in Babysitting, I guess. A tourist Trap, 500 Days of Summer. 500 Days of Summer. Nope, 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 no, 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 Five hundred days of summer, but since I just saw it anyway, Fast and the Furious tourist trap. Fast and the Furious. This is gonna feel good. Tourist trap. Agreed. I couldn't even make it to that one. Or three oh seven. It's not horrible. There's a lot of mm-hmm. movies out there. Anything else you guys want to run through, or just rank some random movies, or call it a night? I think we can call it a night. All right. All right. Next week, Mission Impossible and Sleepaway Camp. And uh, I'm the only one watching Mission Impossible, so we'll be talking a lot about Sleepaway Camp. Do we want to watch all three Sleepaway Camps? I'm I'm saying. I'll do my best. I mean, I've got them all. (laughs) I've got them all. So. I will do my best. All right. Okay. All right. Talk to you guys later. See you. Bye. Bye.